Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 9. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Good morning, Hill City. My name is Jonathan Holmes. I have the privilege of being the director of LightCo, which is our youth ministries, uh, 6th grade through 12th grade here, and then also our future young professionals ministry. It's a joy to be together this morning as we open up God's Word uh, to Jeremiah. Now, we will actually be in Jeremiah 18 But I wanted to give you just a a brief context. So we are done with Advent. Christmas is gone. You know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'll wait a a few bit, but I'm going to listen to Christmas music again too soon. Uh, I'm excited already. And then we've got Genesis coming. And so we will be back in the book of Genesis in in just a couple weeks. But this Sunday, we're going to uh, jump, we're going to parachute in to the middle of the book of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18. But I wanted to give you a glimpse into the call of the prophet Jeremiah. Just, it's, it's hard to get a full picture of the context, but I, I loved his, how he was called to be a prophet, right? And immediately, we see this oftentimes in, uh, in, in the Bible where God will call out someone as a leader, as a judge, as a king, or even a prophet, and their immediate response is not, woo, let's go, I've got this. It's, um, you sh- uh, is this the wrong address? Like, th- there's no way you're talking to me. Like, I am definitely not the one who could do that, what you're calling me, for, uh, and they just give all these reasons and says, don't say that you're just a youth. And he says, I am with you. And he says, I will give you my words. And he says, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And we're going to see one of these times, these scenes where the prophet Jeremiah receives the word of the Lord. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures this morning, go ahead and open with me to Jeremiah 18. We'll start reading in verse 1 in just a minute. But I, I have to acknowledge, we're, this is it. Like, final day of the year. I don't know how you feel. Like there's some of us in here that are just like, how in the world did we get here? Right? And or and there's other people in here like, finally. Like 2023 is done. Right? I'm ready for 2024. I'm probably more in that camp because I like right when 2023 ends or like I can sniff it, right? December hits, I'm like 2024 is going to be the best. Like, I am so excited. I start planning, setting goals, expectations, dreams, to-do lists. I mean, I am, 
I am a, a, a calendar geek, if you can be, right? I know that's not cool, but I get really excited for planning. And so maybe that's why I feel so seen when I, when I read this proverb here recently. So Proverb 19.21. So in Proverbs 19.21, it says this, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I, I love that. That first part, many, oh, that's an understatement for me. I have all the plans, right? I mean, I've got it all mapped out. If God will listen to me, I'll get, it, I'll get us there, okay? Like, I mean, I just, I'm a planner at heart. That's where I go naturally. And so when I see that, it's like, yes. I mean, I, I, this, this proverb was written for me. And I geek out about all, how I'm going to organize my calendar this year, looking into bullet journaling again, looking at, should I go digital? Should I do this? Listen, I am a card-holding member of the Type A Planners Club, okay? Now, I'm seeing a few people get the elbow, and I know I'm not alone here this morning, all right? There's some planners out there that just naturally plan every minute of your day. They think the, the thought of doing something spontaneous freaks me out, okay? I don't want to talk about it. I like plants. Now, even though if you're, you're like, oh, listen, we can't be friends. You're like, I am like, you're like, I am the opposite of whatever weird creature you are, right? If you're that way, you still have plans and expectations and dreams for your life. You, you may not be a card-holding member of the Type A Planners Club like I am or some of my best friends in here this morning. But you too have plans and expectations. You have plans like, I would like to get married someday, or I would like to graduate. I would like to be at this level in my career. I want to be debt-free. I want to own a home. I want to go here. I want to move here. I want to travel here. You have plans, expectations, and hopes for your life. And what we don't like about this proverb is that second line. That second line that says, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. There's a lot of times in my life I wish God would honor my plans. I, I, there's a lot of times in my life where I think my plan is so good that it's hard for me to submit to His purposes. Now, this isn't a recent thing. This isn't something that happened when I uh, had kids. This is something that was, man, I, it, it happened at such an early age. Uh, my parents loved to tell a story where I was very young, and they had not consulted their wise planning seven-year-old on whether or not tonight would be a good night for them to go out on a date. And when I found out by the babysitter knocking on the door, I lost my mind because they did not share the plan with me. They did not consult, would this be a good night or not? Would next week work better for you, Jonathan? I would have appreciated being welcomed into the planning process. And throw, so I, what did I do? I threw an epic tantrum. Now, that's just who I am. I am a planner at heart. And so when I read something like this, it, 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 feel, it feels targeted. <laughs> I feel attacked because there's a lot of times where my plans and God's purposes clash, and I don't quickly submit. I get angry. I get frustrated. And oftentimes, even today, I struggle to trust God when, my purposes, when God's purpose and my plan conflict. I struggle to trust. I think, man, I really had this mapped out the right way. 
If he would have listened to me or consulted with me, we would have been in a better place. I know what's best. And it really is, it comes down to this idea of what we're looking at for God. So how we picture God. When we think of God, what comes into our minds. And I love this image that the prophet Jeremiah gets in Jeremiah 18. Because I think if we were to picture God in this way, if we were to picture Him through the eyes of a potter and clay, that we would live our lives daily differently. So Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hands, hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So, this is interesting. Like, in this time, God spoke through the prophets. So, if, if you know where this is hitting at in your, in, in your Bible, He's speaking through the prophets. So, the prophet was one office that God had designated where He would, he would either give an audible message, a vision, or a dream, and that prophet was then to go and to share that word with the nation of Israel. And then there were priests, and then there were kings. Now, Jesus would come along and He would fulfill All three offices as the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, and the perfect king. But here we have the prophet Jeremiah, and he is not given an audible message. He is told to go on a field trip. I love that. He says, hey, no, you will hear the word that I have for you, but I want you to go down to the potter's house. And so what does Jeremiah do? He, He goes quickly. He obeys the word of the Lord, and he goes down to the the potter's house. And he wants to give Jeremiah a picture so that he can deliver this image to the people of Israel of how God is working in the lives of his people. The activity of God in the lives of his people. And that got me thinking, how do I picture the hands of God in my life? So in in really good days, I I almost feel like there's a blessing, right? That He has blessed me through His hand. In the really bad days, I feel like His arms are crossed and He's saying, again? Again? Grace? Again? Like, come on, man. And then in the maybe really dark days, His hands are in His pockets and He just doesn't care. See, How we picture God changes how we act. How active do you think the hand of God is in your life? Ask that question to yourself. Where do you see the hand of God in your life? Because would you go to a God who is passive? 
What, if you view God as the creator God who has slung the planets into the solar system, the galaxies, and that he has created man, he got his hands dirty, but on the seventh day he rested by washing his hands and saying, let's see how this turns out. You know, I think for me, sometimes I just naturally land there. I'll naturally land where I believe God is so passive, where he's just watching, sometimes vengeful, almost e- eager, eager to prove me wrong. But friends, do you know that that's so far from the God we see in Scripture? And that changes how we live. If you view, view God as passive, you're not going to go to him in prayer. As a view, if you view God, if you view God as someone who doesn't care, then you're not going to care. We just finished Christmas, and it's almost like we lost the beauty already of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus, who came near. That is proof enough, church, that God is a God who is actively forming his people, directing his people by his hand. So I believe that this picture that Jeremiah has given is an important and beautiful picture, yes, of God as the potter and us as the clay, the nation of Israel in this time as well. But I believe that if we believe this picture is true, it changes everything. It it changes why we pray. It changes why we obey the Word of God. It changes why we share the gospel. It changes why we come to Hill City. It changes everything if we believe that the potter is truly forming his clay. And so, as you think of that and you have that picture of where am I seeing God's hand in my life? Where have, do I believe that He's distant or passive? Or do I believe that He's near and He's actively forming and participating in my life? Let's go back to Jeremiah 18. And look at, look at verse 4. We're going to see three key phrases that I believe really hit home. So as Jeremiah is sitting there, he is noticing a few things. So before, if you, if you look back, you'll see that God says, go to the potter's house, and then you will hear my word. So he's saying, you need, to, you need to be observant. Go investigate what is happening. He wants him to see the potter working the clay. He wants him to hear the noises. He wants him to see the texture. He wants him to smell all the fragrances of clay. I mean, whatever it is, he wants him to get a firsthand experience so that this picture sticks. And as he's there, it says this, Jeremiah 18.4, And the vessel he was making, so Jeremiah's observing, of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And that's our first key phrase. It was spoiled in the potter's hand. Now that word there, spoiled, might be a little bit more extreme than you first think. See, the word spoiled, we often use as, man, they're the spoiled kid that always gets their way, right? Like, they're the worst, they're spoiled. But here, it means destruction. It means destroyed, corrupt, trouble, ruin. I love this last one, 
it causes trouble. So the picture that's being painted with this word is that as the potter is shaping his clay, the clay is resisting the potter's hands. You see that? It's, the clay is spoiled because it's not actively working with the potter. It's working against the potter's hands. Now, I don't know what you expect in this moment, and I'm definitely not a potter. You'll soon realize that. But as he's shaping and I'm saying the clay is spoiled, I'm like, then throw it away. It's clay. Like, you've got plenty, I'm sure. Move on, right? That's not what the potter does. The, the potter, instead, as he is met with the uh, working against of his hands and the clay is working against him, he patiently presses in and he reworked it. So he, he doesn't throw it away. He doesn't start over. He reworks it into another vessel. And friends, we can't get over this spoiled part, though. You, may, you could read this whole story and be like, wow, look at how, God, how much God cares about His people. Look at how God is working in His people's lives. And like that is or how God is sovereign and we are not. God is in control. We are not. Yes, yes, amen. But we can't miss this. We miss the beauty of the gospel if we miss that the, splay, the clay was spoiled. We miss the beauty of of the potter's work, unless we understand the material he's working with. He patiently presses in. And see, this is a prophecy for Israel. Jeremiah will later on, and he will go and preach this message, and will be met with stubborn hearts, hard hearts, it says. But this is a message for us today. The same God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. He reworked His people Israel into the church of the New Covenant. It's the same God who's active and working in our lives today. And so how do we see the spoil in our lives? How are we spoiled? No, not like we always get our way. We always want our way, and we always want our way because of sin. The spoil is sin. The spoil in our lives are our struggles, our battles, our darkness. Paul quotes many Old Testament verses in Romans 3, and one of the very bleak reminders of the, 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 the reality of who we are outside of Christ is in verse 10. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That's the good news. Don't you leave like sprinting out and excited? No. But you, you know this. This is where the gospel must start. Because we're not neutral the human condition is not that we're kind of in between good and bad and we're trying to do more good than bad. The human condition is that we are sinful. We are apart from God. We are slaves to sin. We love darkness. 
And then in Romans 3.23, we see what that earns. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short. He later would say, the wages of sin is death. We are not welcome. But this is when we're met with God's grace. The potter's hands. But we are justified. That's awesome. By His grace, that's even better. As a gift. Unbelievable. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. The sin in our lives is how we are spoiled. We react negatively towards the hands of God working and shaping. We react against. We work for the domain of darkness even at times. Rather than the kingdom of light. But the beauty of the gospel is that God is not overwhelmed by your sin. God is not overwhelmed by my sin. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of our own doing, church. What a blessing it is. That even in our spoil, in our sin, Christ died for us. That is the good news. He didn't throw the clay away. He reworked it. So as you think about this past year, so think about 2023. Are there areas of your life where you feel like, listen, I have spoiled my marriage in 2023. I have done a terrible job financially stewarding my resources, and I have spoiled them. I don't know how to get out of that. Maybe there's a habitual sin in your life, and you were like, you know what, 2023 is the year that I kick it. It's gone. And what happened this past year was it got more control, not less. And you feel discouraged. God is not overwhelmed by your sin. God does not also sit back and say, you better figure things out in 2024, boy. Right? Like, sometimes me, I'm just, I just, that's where I naturally go. And I'm like, okay, work harder, do better. Those aren't gospel verbs. What am I doing? God is not overwhelmed by your sin. No matter how spoiled you think 2023 was, or maybe in your pride you're like, Look at all the awesome stuff I did. I mean, people should be impressed with me. You're in the same boat with us. The spoil is our sin. And God is not overwhelmed by your sin. But here's the beauty of the gospel, and it moves us to our second key phrase. He doesn't let us stay that way. Yes, He's not overwhelmed. Grace, grace, grace. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Do not make yourself right and then go to God. You go to God and He will make you right. And trust in that. And it's this next key phrase. He reworked it into another vessel. Now, I don't know much about clay at all or pottery, anything, right? But you don't buy clay to display in your house, and for all your guests to be like, oh, look at that impressive clay. 
That's not what you do, right? It's mud. Don't, that's weird, right? And it's not funny if you invite me over and you do that, okay? Like I'm seeing a few like, <laughs> I got him. No. You, clay is intended from its very beginning to be shaped by a potter. And even when the vessel is done, you don't look at it and say, that's some pretty good clay. You say, wow, who made that? Who made that? Now, I used to lead these trips, these mission trips to Nicaragua when I was a youth pastor in Norman, Oklahoma, and we would go to Nicaragua, and as we were there, we would take these kids on these awesome field trips. We'd go all these different places. They were all educational to try to broaden their perspective of what they could accomplish and what they could do, and this one time, we go to the potter's house. Not joking you. This is why Jeremiah 18 is so powerful to me. Because as we go into the potter's house, we're going down into the basement, the cool of the basement. The potter's sitting at his stone massive wheel, and he's hitting a pedal, and it's beginning to spin. He takes some clay, and he throws it on, and at this point, I'm not impressed, right? I shouldn't be, right? There's a table that's spinning, and there's mud on it. Awesome. That's why we came? No, because right when his hands touch the clay, magic happens. Like if I touch that clay, it's getting, everybody's getting a little bit on their face, right? It's going everywhere. But the moment his hands touch the clay, it begins to take shape. It forms a vase. So I'm sitting there and there's 20 kids and a team of 10. So we're watching and we're like, what is happening? I mean, he's forming this thing and it, it goes from like a mud spot to a vase in 10 seconds. And I was like, wow. Let me try. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. Right? But he, he does it. And then he takes his, his thumb and his finger. And at the top, he, he, he pinches the clay. And he starts forming a lip. And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, I mean, this is unbelievable. This is, it, it was clay. And now it's this beautiful pot. And it's, it's been like 10 seconds. And then he takes his thumb. And he begins running it down. And he, and he smooths it out. And he creates texture on it. And then he grabs a stick from the ground. And he uses that stick. And he presses it against the clay. And he forms these beautiful ridges as stripes. And a minute or so after he started with clay, he has this beautiful pot. And I'm like, I'm in. Like, can I buy it? <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. I'm so ready. And so he sits back, and all the kids are like, oh, right? Like, my mouth is open. We're all amazed. And he's sitting back in his chair, and he's looking. And the, the, the table's still spinning, and he's looking at this vase. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that was, that was a really cool example. And he smashes it. And I was like, that's not funny. Right? Like, that was the greatest art exhibit I've ever seen, right? Like, uh, I'm not an art gallery guy, but that was awesome, right? Get your hands dirty, make something awesome. And before I knew it, he smashes it, and he begins forming and reworking it into a bowl. And I was like, why did you do that? That was a beautiful vase, right? And so I, I grab the interpreter after I go up to the, the potter, and I, I bring him with me, and I, I ask, I say, why did you smash the vase, that was a pretty vase, something to that extent. And I thought he would respond with something like, oh, it's just awesome. Because there's an audible gasp when he does it, right? Like, so he did it, and everybody's like, oh, why? You know, you're like, come on. But he, he did it, and he didn't say that. Uh, he, he didn't say that it was for the reaction from the kids. He didn't say that he just wanted to show how easy it was to, to break. 
he said this, and this is why Jeremiah 18, I, I think of this every time I read this. He says, the vase was leaning subtly to the right. Most people wouldn't have even noticed it, but I did, and I knew it would always wobble. And I was like, it's a mic drop moment. I was like, oh man, that's going to preach someday, right? Like, I mean, I was like, my word, like, I didn't. I, I mean, it was beautiful to me. But the potter's hands, they see things we don't. They, the potter notices things that need to be torn down so a stronger foundation can be built in our lives. The potter sees areas of your life. And even though when he smashes them, in our life, our plans, our expectations, our hopes, our dreams. He does it so that it could be built back stronger. See, for me, I was like, I was offended a little bit. I was part of that creation process, and I was like, this is awesome, right? And then he smashed it, and I was like, how dare you? This is game over. But we do the same exact thing with God. Like, we get so caught up in our plans and our dreams, and our expectations, that when He comes with His purposes and His plans, we say, how could you? How dare you not respect my plans? How dare you smash what I've built? It was good. But He sees things we don't. He forms things that we can't. And He forms them according to His image. And this is the question that I've been coming back to this whole week as I've been thinking about this passage. I've been coming back to this question, it says, am I clinging to my plan for my life, or am I clinging to Christ? Am I clinging to my plan for my life, or am I clinging to Christ? Now, you might initially say, well, can't you do both? And I, I, man, I wish. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a planner. But there's times in our life that we create plans. We set expectations. I will be married by this age, and it goes past you, you do it something else, and I will have this career, I will be this successful, I will have this life, I'll have this comfort. Insert whatever plan that you're dealing with right now here. And when it's met with the purposes of God, and God's plan is a little different for your life. It doesn't contain that in it. Instead of you saying, I trust you, God, you say, if you don't give me this, then I'm not trusting you. Say, hey, you, you have to follow this. You, your word said you do things according for our good. That's a little stretch here. You point to your plan and you say, if you're not with me, then I'm not with you. So are you clinging to your plan for your life more than you're clinging to Christ? The reworking, reshaping process is not easy. It's not safe. When you follow Christ, you follow Him with everything. Your hands go from this to clenching to your ways and your plans to this as a process of sanctification. Say, I, I give you my life. My life is yours. I will follow you. 
I mean, for me, as I look back on 2023, I mean, I, I just came on staff in October. I had no idea that really Hill City even existed. <laughs> you know what God did in 2023? And I went, no, that's not fair, right? How could you? And it's a reshaping process. It's a reworking. When that happened, when He took my plans, my expectations, and He adjusted them so strongly, I threw a fit. You, th- you thought I was going to say, I trusted Him. No, mm-mm. I threw a fit. I mean, I, like a little toddler, like back in the day. I was frustrated. And you know what I was met with? Grace. Forgiveness. Patience. And he pressed in, and he pressed in, and my hands went like this. So what are the areas in your life where you're clinging more to Christ than, well, I almost did it, clinging more to your plans than Christ? It was close. Okay, now our final phrase, as it seemed good for the potter to do. This is another Proverbs moment where we're like, oh, come on. He still doesn't listen. He still doesn't take counsel from us. He hears our prayers. He hears our requests. And we follow in submission to Him. But He forms us, our life, our plans, our goals, everything we are according to His will. As it seemed good to the potter to do. See, the potter doesn't take a counsel of wise men and say, what do you think? How should I make of this, this clay? The potter forms the clay. God is not in a counsel of God's listening. He's the God, the creator. God, the savior. God, the redeemer. And he is forming his people according to his will and his way. Look at how when Jeremiah does receive the word of the Lord. So remember, he is coming down to the potter's house to hear from God. He is supposed to get this picture, and God is going to teach a lesson through this picture. And it says this, verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, just like it said it would. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel. God makes this point to Jeremiah through a question. Can I not do with you as this potter has done? Are you not the clay in my hands? Now, I was a weird kid growing up. Maybe some would still say I'm weird. That's okay. It's kind of cool to be a nerd now, like it was not growing up, but I would go to Hobby Lobby because that was the coolest place on earth few more amens in first gathering, but we'll work on that. And when you got there, you got to pick from all these cool crafts. And one of my favorite things to pick was this block of these colored clays, right? And I'd pick these, and I said I wasn't a potter, and here's, here's the proof you have, right? All I could make was some stick figures, right? Some of them would stand up, some of them would fall off. But they were all these multicolors, so green and yellow and red and black. And so as, as I get these home, I lay out a huge piece of cardboard in my parents' basement, and I take the, the colored clay, and of course green is what 
military, right? They're the army, right? They're the humans, and so I begin, like, creating them, and I mean, this is seven-year-old imagination, so blue then becomes the aliens that are good, and so the blue aliens are good. They're helping the army. Now, the, the, the red ones, they're the evil aliens, and so at the end of the day, I've spent hours creating armies of clay figures, and it would happen that they would sit there for a little too long. My parents would be like, all right, come on. It needs to happen. And I would look at them, the day is coming. What? I mean, I said I was a weird kid. And I would wake up one morning, and it would be D-Day. It would be death day. All the clay was going to meet their doom. And I would go down there, cracking my knuckles and getting ready to take these figures, and I would take them, and until the madness ended with a big ball of brown clay. I'd throw it away, and I'd want to start over, right? And that was my activity. But you know what never happened? Is I didn't bust through the basement door and say, I'm here, death day, right? And the clay look at me and say, hey, 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 we've been talking a little bit. This is not the right plan. (laughs) I said I was a weird kid. I wasn't crazy, okay? Like, the clay doesn't speak back to the potter. Like, that is so, it, for me to even say it, you're like, ah, oh, that's creepy, right? Like, you're like, yes, it is. It's so, you might say, backwards. It's upside down. And that's why in Isaiah 29, this image is repeated of the clay, of the pot, the clay speaking back to the potter. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, who, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? That the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me. Or the thing formed say of, whom, of him who formed it, he has no understanding. When we look at God and we say, hey, God, like, I've got some really good plans here, we turn it upside down when it's closed-fisted. We say, hey, if you don't follow me here, if you don't give these things, then you're not good. If you don't do what I ask, then I'm not going to do what you ask. What have you done? I know it because I do this. I've turned it upside down. Now, I'm met in that moment not with, how could you again, Jonathan? I'm met in that moment with grace, with the patient hands of a potter forming spoiled clay, resisting in his hands, but his hands never leave me. As long as the potter's table is still spinning, he's not done with his clay. So even though I resist, I am met with grace and forgiveness as my hand can't help but to open and to receive His purposes as good and trustworthy. So what do we do when our plans meet God's purpose and they're in conflict? What, we do, what do we do when our plan doesn't shape out how we believe it should? Because a lot of these plans are good, right? You want to have kids, you want to get married, you want to be successful, you want to travel, you want to do it. These are good things. It's when they become ultimate things. 
when your plans are held higher than God's purposes, that's a problem. That's no longer, no longer spoiled clay. That's rebellion. That's refusal of the grace and forgiveness of God. So when we are faced with God's purposes and they conflict with our plans, you know what we're invited to do? We're invited to trust the potter's hands. And look at, so Jeremiah is, is told he, to give this message, go and preach this message that, the, that God forms His people just as the potter forms His clay. And God already knows how they're going to respond. In verse 12, if you look down just a little bit, but they say, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. My prayer this morning for you and for me is that we would not respond in the stubbornness of our hearts. We would not turn things upside down. I love that. But we would respond as Jesus did at the edge of his death. At the edge of his crucifixion, he goes to the Father. And this is what he says, Matthew 26. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What are the plans in your life that you need to just start saying, not as I will, but as you will? I trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I believe it's good. Why? It's hard to see the good right now, because I know you're good. You always go back to the character of God. If you're serving communion, then please go ahead and prepare the table for us. I think there are many here this morning, including me. As we think of 2024, we think of all the hopes, dreams, expectations, and plans that we have, that we need to understand that some of those plans might be held a little too strongly. There will be a crisis faith moment when those plans meet God's purposes. One will prevail always. And it's our opportunity to trust in submission rather than to usurp in rebellion. So what are the areas in your life where maybe you could uncover some disagreement with the purpose of God and your plans? How could you see those areas? Are you discontent anywhere? You know where discontentment comes from? Unmet expectations. Are you anxious anywhere where you feel like you're out of control? A lot of times anxiety comes from grasps of control when in reality we're not the ones in control. I love this, this quote from St. Augustine. He wrote, he wrote a, a famous book called The Confessions, and I think of this quote often. You have made me, you've made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. So as your plans meet God's purposes, will you receive those purposes with trust 
Or will they be met with anger, frustration, arms crossed, saying, if you don't follow me, I won't follow you. There's grace and goodness in the invitation to trust. Now, as we go to the table, I want to uh, remind you of the significance of this moment, that this is a this is a meal for believers. So if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, you have trusted him for salvation, join us. And if you haven't done that yet, then we just humbly ask that you would sit this one out. If you'd like to talk with someone about the significance of, the, of communion or something that was shared this morning, or if you have a need that needs to be prayed for, we're gonna have people up at the front. We would love to minister to you in any way. Now, I want to encourage us in this moment. Let's go to the potter, God, who always receives his people with grace and forgiveness. Join us.